podcast. We actually got a special guest. We got AB the hero. AB works close with the Ball family. AB, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. When did you first start working um, with the Ball family? Um, uh, it was, well, I first got in contact with them back when Melo and Jello were playing in Lithuania. Mm-hmm. And we started kind of working as they were preparing for the JBA season. So yeah. doing some of the, I went to um, some of the tryouts and stuff with them and got to film and help evaluate some talent. How did they find you? Um, YouTube, YouTube. Like I said, when when they were over in Lithuania, I was doing mm-hmm. videos, kind of recapping and previewing some of the games, talking yeah. about what players are going to play against. And at that time, they were bouncing back and forth between here and Lithuania, some folks in our camp. And they didn't know where to watch the games or what was going on. So they needed the information like everybody else. So they found me on YouTube. And that's kind of where they stumbled across my channel. And then um, they, they had this big deal with the Better Business Bureau. And I did some content around that. And they appreciated mm-hmm. it. And then they reached out to me then to, to send me some merch or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, man, y'all got this JBA coming up. Like, how can I be a part of that? And they were like, say less. And um, we kind of linked up from there. So it was super organic, but honestly, it was just from YouTube and, and kind of supporting the brand and the culture that way. Were you really surprised when they contacted you? Honestly, I was. I mean, obviously. Or were, you having, you, were you having like Mellow, Jello, and Zoe, you know, like see your stuff on Instagram a couple of times? So did you have contact with them before or was that just? No, no, that was, honestly, it was just that because I think that the majority of my content around the brand is strictly on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a random person in the YouTube comments asking for my email and the name of the commenter didn't match anybody in the brand you know so it wasn't until we like actually emailed I kind of understood what was going on so um yeah I was surprised I thought it was kind of a bit of a hoax for a little bit but you know you just never know so I was like I'm gonna see worst case scenario I gotta block somebody on 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 gmail (laughs) but you know yeah Yeah, that's to be crazy that I have you know be led on thinking and then it is the real deal now when did you first meet LeVar person to person um so person to person I would say um I met him well technically not person to person per se but right. when I went to Chicago mm-hmm. to one of the tryouts they were he was in Lithuania and they let me FaceTime with him for like a second or so and mm-hmm. then maybe two or three weeks later everybody was going back to Chino Hills. Um, they left Lithuania and were back to Chino Hills and I flew out to LA and mm-hmm. I met them at like the ball mansion um, one day. So it was pretty cool. Now I want to go back to that, you know, meeting them at the ball mansion. I think everybody sees them as a very, you know, famous family, but how are they behind closed doors? How do they operate? Is it, are they constantly playing basketball or are they, kind of do their own thing, especially when they come back from going playing overseas in Lithuania. How would they uh, adjust when they're at home? Um, well, I'll say I, 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 they're pretty normal. You know, right. when I went there, it was like a party. 
So there was a day where if you watch Ball in the Family, they were taping that day. It was like the coming home party for the boys. So like everybody yeah. and their mama was there. They had the camera crew was there. All of their friends was there and all yeah. of that stuff. So um, so in that time, I got to talk with the boys a bit. You know, I actually, so like I said, there was a party, but I ended up staying at the Ball Estate that night. So like the next morning, like LeVar cooked breakfast and like oh I ate breakfast with Tina, Jello, and Mello, and him, you know, and so, so it was interesting. It was cool, and and everybody was was pretty chill. But it's the same as, like, if some random guy from right. the internet decided to come stay with you for a day, like, you wouldn't <laughs> immediately become best friends, and you know what I mean. Like, it's a yeah. certain, especially when. I mean, you have that type of following or, you know, there's a bit of reservedness, but guys like LeVar, man, LeVar was nothing but love, man. He, I think I was doing a live stream from their basement at, that that night and he came down and hopped on my live stream in the middle of cooking sausages and pancakes. Um, just like little stuff like that, man. Everybody right. was really cool. Um, they had the court out there, but like I said, it was more of a party, man. They had the dogs in the water and everybody was just kind of hanging out. Man, it's crazy that you ended up I mean, that had to be surreal for you that you covered this family while they were overseas and they knew nothing of you. And then before you know it, you're sleeping over at the ball mansion and then having breakfast um, really with the inside of the family. That had to be a great feeling. Now, when did yeah, you man. start working um, with the JBA officially? Now, they, they came back. Now there's an opportunity for them to expand in the United States. What was your role? All right. So, so like I was saying, they came back from Lithuania. Mm -hmm. um, and before they came back, they had already started holding tryouts. So I went to the last three tryouts. Um, really, the first one was in Chicago. It was more so like, let's just meet, see if there's a connection. You know what I mean? Like they mm -hmm. wanted to see if I was weird or not, you know, and, and we ended up having like a, a pretty, I would say that when I got to Chicago, they kind of embraced me right away. You know, um, I think. Alan Foster was there. Um, Zoe was there. Yeah, I was um, gonna say Zoe was uh, at the Chicago so, town. Mm -hmm. So I got to meet all of them, and, and it was all love right away. So then the next week they were going to Philadelphia and in New York, and I was not supposed to be going there. I was supposed to just meet them there and kind of mm -hmm. a one-time thing. And then I they let me film and all that stuff. So I was like, Yo, if y'all let me if you'll give me access, I'll get to like Philly, I'll get to New York and, and do the next couple of trials with y'all just on my own dime. And they mm -hmm. were like, yo, bro, don't even worry about it. Like find a plane ticket, get it, and then we'll reimburse you. So then, so like from there, like I just started kind of working with them on stuff. So it went from, I went to Chicago one week, the next weekend I was in Philly and New York with them. And then the following weekend I was out in LA with them. And the LA meeting was, like I said, it was like a come home celebration for Jello and Mello, but it was also like the first brainstorming meeting mm -hmm. of like the JBA, like really where all of the people they had kind of collectively came across and put together and supposed to be a part of the JBA. We all sat down for the first time and kind of mapped it out and like figured out what our role was. So for me, I did a lot of video for social media. Mm -hmm. um, some of the like, the highlights of, of some of the players and when I say highlights I mean like just their backstory the right. kind of pre-launch information that came out I was a part of that 
And a lot of while behind the scenes things, I just filmed. So it's interesting that those guys, man, they have had like just random cameramen just around for years filming just in case they ever want to do a documentary, right? So mm-hmm. I just got to just be around and film some of the behind the scenes of the JBA, film some of the like, you know, kind of travel things just in case they ever needed it, you know? And, and I have some stuff that I have filmed and I'm personally working on like a little small documentary about the JBA myself. So, so that, that's kind of my role that, and then okay. I did the, um, so that's kind of my entry into it, but because I was recapping and doing those previews for those games in Lithuania. They were also kind of like, yo, why don't you be a commentator? Right. So then I got to be the commentator for those games and, uh, and, and at which during the live streams on Facebook. So that was kind of the most epic part of the whole thing for me is doing that. Now you were at the uh, trial for the JBA when they were going city to city. And I know that, LeVar, if, you, if Ball in the Family episode, LeVar talked about they're not going to just take um, a certain amount of people just to fill numbers. So how difficult were those tryouts? Um, and the tryouts that you went, did they take the certain amount of players they need or did they only take half and then they just kind of filled them around? That makes uh, no, honestly, man, they, they, he, they were held true to that. Like um, when I went to Chicago, I think they picked up two players. Let's say it was 80 guys. And they ended up taking two guys who like actually made a roster and then they picked up a guy to, I think, Miski, I forgot his first name, but he ended up actually playing, but they picked him up as a reserve. So in Chicago, like they're supposed to eight guys for a city and they had only picked up two and Kizo Brown and Antoine Singleton, um, guys who actually ended up playing on that Chicago team. And I think it's Julian Miski. I can't remember his name, but so, so they did that. Then when they went to Philadelphia, which ended up being a, I would believe a much better tryout. Um, they selected more guys. So they su- selected eight people to the team, but then also uh, a, a few different reserves. So like Harrison Rieger was a guy who I believe got picked up in the reserves. So he was in Philly, but he ended up playing on a Chicago team. Um, then they went to New York and same thing, it was a, a great turnout. And they picked up probably eight dudes and then another five as reserve guys. And a lot of those guys ended up playing kind of in the JBA, even as a reserves and all that stuff. So they, it was serious. They weren't just like, it wasn't as reality TV as I thought it even thought it was going to be going there. You know how yeah. you watch some of these shows on TV and it's like, we're going to take what we get out of this city and mm-hmm. Whether or not you go hooper or not, like, you know, you just got to be the best on that day. Like, right. you literally were competing with not just who was in the room, but, like, the expectation that they have for players. Right. And that's crazy that they only took two players out of Chicago. Because, I mean, Chicago's a – there are some high schools out here that have some real talented players. So, for them to select two, that just shows uh, the competition they're looking for. Now, was there any difficulty choosing some of these players? Was there a debate of do we keep their number just in case we need them? Or was it if we didn't like you at the tryout or not not like you, but if we were halfway about you at the tryout, we're just not going to talk to you? Or was there 
still, you know, conversation. Well, there's players who weren't officially on a roster then get bumped up, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was saying is they had – they would pick guys who for sure were on the roster and then mm-hmm. also guys who maybe like alternatives. So, like, you can hoop enough that we'll probably bring you out to camp and if there's space and you can earn a spot on the squad, then, like, you'll make it, you know? So yeah. that's so when I talk about guys like Harrison Rieger, mm-hmm. who was in Philly, wasn't in the top eight in Philly, but they brought him in um, to as a uh, like a, um, a reserve player. Uh, Jameer Killen, who I believe mm-hmm. played in New York, same thing, tried out in Philly, came in as a reserve player, got the call, made the squad in New York, ended up playing really good basketball for them. Um, even the guys who Kizo Brown, if, if you were familiar with him, yeah. ended up being one of the really, really good basketball players mm-hmm. um, in the JBA. But at the training camp, uh, at the tryout, like he, he, his notoriety and them knowing his name is what helped him more so get on the squad because he just didn't have a great like standout camp. You know, he wasn't like. He was obviously somebody who everybody in the gym respected, but he didn't like play basketball to the level right. that he played kind of throughout the season. So mm-hmm. there was debates about whether or not he should make it. Um, Tone Singleton, a guy who made it out that Chicago trial, mm-hmm. he made it more so like while while they weren't even playing basketball a couple of times, he just started dunking it. And his athleticism was athleticism was so crazy. They just had to give him a shot. So there was, there was a lot of discussion and everybody who got picked up, like really got picked up intentionally. And, and, and there's like a re, you know what I mean? Whether or not it's this person just played hella defense, you know, mm-hmm. this other guy was tall. Dimba Thimbo was just then or seven feet tall. So they decided like, yo, at least we could work with him. You know what I mean? Seven feet. Mm-hmm. You can't teach that. So there, there was a lot of discussion. There were some guys who, ended up you know what I mean making the squad alternative and I think too one of the things that they do really good is networking and a lot of guys who like I could say like a city of Chicago when they got there mm-hmm. it wasn't just they realized that what 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 they realized is obviously all of the top hoopers in Chicago hadn't came out to that tryout so they kind of started networking and finding guys who were in the city who knew these folks who wanted that opportunity and, and kind of brought them out at a later date to kind of figure out and fill out that roster. So it, it looked a lot different from city to city, and mm-hmm. uh, but it was an intentional process. How was your first game covering the JBA? Um, my first game, man, it was, it was exciting. Like I had never did commentary before so it was me doing what I would do on my live stream like watching the game Mm -hmm. but taking it to another level and I think that it was interesting because in some of our like pre-production meetings with Facebook watch Mm -hmm. um, we we realized that the experience of watching a game on Facebook is not like one that is watching it on television right you get to mm-hmm. interact with the commentators yeah. in in such a, a personal way you know what I mean like I get to say drop some fire emojis where you from and mm-hmm. 
and actually call and shout out people. You people get to ask questions directly and you respond to them. So for me, the first game was more so about deciding how we wanted to approach the broadcast. And what we mm. realized is that we were not going to be like NBA broadcasters, right? I, I wasn't right. going to try to be Chris Weber or or any of those guys. We wanted to bring our own flavor and kind of feel to it mm. and, and make it a unique experience. And, and that's kind of what we did, man. And they gave us a lot of leeway to create that that broadcast. And so no, the first game was, was amazing for me, man. Even the first game being in LA or it's like Orange County, I believe. And, and like watching Jello and Mello, I mean, Mello play versus New York and, and watching the start of all of those guys. And then looking at how they kind of grew over the season to me, man, when I look back on it, it was just, it was an epic experience. Now you kind of mentioned LaMelo ball playing. He obviously is a different beast. Um, Watching him, you know, on TV or over the phone, I think is a little different than watching him in person. How is it watching him in person? And how does he kind of operate differently from others? I'll say, man, watching him in person and, and, and with the understanding that at that time he was 16 years old. So it is funny because Lamelo is a guy who is a happy fun, playful 16-year-old at that time. And then there's a switch that flips on when it's game time, right? So yeah. you could watch him in practice when it's just like going through drills or whatever. You'd be like, oh, man, like, I don't know if he's taking this serious. You know what I mean? Like, he might be too full of himself right now. Yeah. And then you get to a game time and it's like, oh, but that's a different person, you know? So I think that what, what is so interesting also to me is like, I, I believe that a lot of those guys in the JBA are actual really, really good basketball players, Hooper Hoopers. Yeah. And it's interesting when Hooper Hoopers show a ton of respect for somebody's game, you know, mm-hmm. and you can like watch and, and, and see that they, they res- think that, like you said, he's a different beast where right. when guys who are actual Hooper Hoopers can acknowledge that like, you are not like us, you know what I mean? Right. When it comes to this basketball thing. So that that's where I picked up from him, man. He just is a guy who like takes it very serious, man. But um, he also like just loves being out there, loves being around those guys and is super playful. But mm-hmm. once it's game time, like it's game time. He's not attempting to lose or, or not take it wholeheartedly. Now, I want to talk about Jello a little bit. Jello joined the JBA after going undrafted. How would you say Jello and Mello work together? Because it seemed like they have great chemistry. I mean, they're brothers. But do you think that Jello and Mello went together during the JBA? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, I, I think that the, it, it's so ir- ironic to me that Jello is in the situation he is currently. Right like with basketball not being on a team when like if you watch same thing as Melo, you watch him play live and you watch the the like admiration that other hoopers have for him mm-hmm. like you can he's a, a talented guy right so like you said he he joined the jba league halfway through the season and it was mm-hmm. at a point where Lamelo's team who everybody thought was like about to just run the table 
realized that like every team in the JBA had leveled up their play. Right. So once folks got into it and they had just got destroyed by New York Mm -hmm. and they were not going to win the championship unless they made drastic changes. And to their credit, every other team in the JBA had made upgrades to their roster as the season went on, except for Atlanta, who was undefeated at that time, Mm -hmm. and then also Los Angeles. And so they were the last to make changes to their roster. And they made huge ones by bringing in Jello, and their chemistry just was like kind of ridiculous. On night one, Jello, I think, was like 50, 10, and 10 or something, you know what I mean? Like a triple yeah. double with 50 plus, you know what I mean? So the chemistry is good, man. Them, them understanding the style of offense that they play, that fast pace, get out before, mm-hmm. um, before damn near before the ball goes through the net they're already running the court you know yeah. and you've seen some of them long passes where jello is throwing the long passes to mellow mellow's throwing the long passes to him mm-hmm. and watching when it comes to their chemistry that style of play that they play is not easy for the average hooper to play right so if you it's play basketball it's a different level it's a what I what I say it is it's a different mentality. It's a different level of like just being an unconscious hooper, because those guys shoot it, bad shot, good shot. In that style of offense, your goal is to get up more shots. And so what a lot of JBA guys struggle with is they're used to coaches telling them that's a bad shot. They're used to right. coaches saying you're shooting it too quick. Mm-hmm. So it it was it hurt them at times to be able to play in that offense and take some of the shots that they were required to take. But when Jello and Melo came in, you started to see um, an offense that was, I always say, like, was moving fast like a, a charger, you know what I'm saying, turned into a damn Lamborghini. It was moving so fast, you know. So that's the that that's kind of the chemistry that they have, just being able to play and understand that offense, man, it was epic. And they they kind of obviously then went undefeated the rest of that season with Jello on the squad. So it was, it was epic. I mean, I think a lot of people underestimate Jello too, that Jello had, I mean, he had to try, he had to work out with the Warriors and he had to work out with the Lakers. So he's already had NBA practice. He's interacted with, you know, professional basketball players. So him joining the JBA, I thought was a great addition to um, not only Los Angeles, but kind of just a culture for it to have someone yeah. like Jello. Now I kind of want to go to Joe. I want to go to Joe if you don't mind me uh, talking about this. He recently got cut by the Detroit Pistons, and mm-hmm. earlier before he got cut, it was rumored that he sprained his ankle. Mm-hmm. And you have the insight on this. Can you tell me a little bit more? Is there more to the story than just what Bleach Report put out? Um, I, I honestly, I'm I am not sure. I, I would not be surprised. Um, that is one of the things that has been plaguing him his entire career. Mm-hmm. So, like you just mentioned, he had those workouts with the Lakers, Warriors, and even at that time, like part of what was ailing him was his ankle injury, right? So when he yeah. started the JBA, he started with it, an ankle that looked like was the size of a, a grapefruit, you know. So so I would not be surprised. Obviously, he supposedly had surgery, had um, rehabbed and was kind of back. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was an ailment that was um, bothering him. And, and kind of the, one of the things that I believe is what is going on with that is 
in that last game, Detroit kind of let everybody play, right? Yeah, they even and yeah, then, they let I, the two guys that got cut play. Exactly. So then immediately after that game, they cut everybody, like the same night they, the news came out. So I believe that there was an ankle injury, and because of that is why they did not let him play that night. Because if we're going to cut you and you're going to try to attempt to play on another team, it it's not smart and it's not fair to then put you on the court to further injure yourself or not be able to perform, you know what I mean, yeah. well and have that be your your only highlights and then try to have to explain that you got an ankle injury, right? So it's almost better at that point for you not to have any footage, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and just say you didn't play because it was an ankle injury as opposed to then trying to convince people that you played bad Right. Because you had an ankle injury. And, yeah. you know, on the night where then you got cut right after, right? So it looks terrible. Like, I play bad, then I get cut, and then I say, oh, it was my ankle, you know? Right. Then people mark you off as you, you're not NBA talent, but that's not reality. Now, did exactly. you talk to Jello at all um, about it, or was there any conversation in the family that you were a part of? No, no, I, I have not. Um Nope, nope. Um, I think before that game, I had talked with some of the the folks in the camp just yeah. about um, and about all of those guys playing right now. And, and more so, our conversations is around like uh, not necessarily the the hoops of, of things, but right the brand mm-hmm. and 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 on the internet at that time, there was a lot of traction happening with the family and the storylines between Jello. And so for me, it's just brainstorming with them on how and what is the best way to take advantage of, of some of the, the notoriety, you know what I mean, of what's happening in the moment. So that's kind of more my conversations. Um, for okay. me, and because of my like platform, mm-hmm. like I, I've realized that there are detailed parts of the situation that like, I don't necessarily like to know because it's different if I can get on here with you and speculate about what happened mm-hmm. and then it's different but then if me getting on here and telling you intimate secrets you know so it's like in order to keep a relationship I I can't just give out all of the secrets right. but if I know everything then I don't have much to talk about but if I stay just far enough on the outside where I if I need to ask a question I can't but then also I have room to kind of speculate and, and, and give my opinion truthfully and honestly of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then like, to me, that that's a better situation as, as far as a content creator. Right. Cause you don't want to be spilling secrets and then it gets back to you and they think you're dishonest and just looking for clout. Exactly. Yep. And, and like I always say is with anything. And one of the biggest things that I learned from traveling with them is mm-hmm. when it comes to the media and these different entities, like the things that hit the people's ears, hit the screens, hit all that stuff are things that intentionally folks want you to know, right? So if if I share something, it's because, you know, most of the time somebody says, oh, that's cool to share, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are certain things that, like I used to, when Melo was leaving the JBA tour, we probably knew that was happening. a week two weeks before it was going down mm-hmm. but and that would have been epic reveal for me to do on my channel but like that would have you know to be stabbed everybody in the back when I'm like sitting at breakfast with LeVar and he's saying 
I'm telling you this, but make sure you don't tell anybody, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw the ball in the family, the last one, Jello was talking about, uh, he said, I'm going to Detroit. They had seven spots open and he announced it way before, you know, I think it was like two weeks prior or two weeks after um, LaMelo's draft night one or a couple of weeks. I, I, I can't really remember, but so yeah, stuff goes on much earlier before, which kind of, you know, is a secret. So stuff happens. What you're saying is things happen um, way, way in advance before it's announced to the public. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So in, in, it, it seems like all of this stuff is real time, but yeah. truthfully, like, nah, man, anything that goes live like that on the public, it's probably something that folks have known was coming for a week or two, even like all of the drama that came out a year or so ago with the brand, right. like that stuff that folks internally knew that was coming um, a week, or like I said, a week or two before that had a uh, kind of hit the fan that way. So, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was gonna ask you. I'm stumped. Uh, oh, where do you see uh, Leandro Ball going in the future? What do you What do you see um, happening next? I I think, and I've been saying this, man, I think that it really just depends on what he wants to do at this moment, right? So for me, I think that it would be exciting to see him kind of go overseas somewhere and mm-hmm. and not only just to like show that he can play basketball, but to also show like how box office he can be, you know? So I think that folks underestimate the amount of traction that he will bring to a program, right? You look at Detroit, um, the practice clips from Detroit were going viral because folks were clamoring to see Jello. Um, so I think that there's some value that he has, right? I think that the media kind of makes him seem like the, the lesser brother at times, but I think that him being in one of those situations will, will galvanize enough media and ticket sales that will benefit him. But um, I think also him going somewhere where he could, that's credible that he could actually show his skills and dominate would be a good look. I do believe that the the easiest thing for him to do is, is play. So the G League right now is kind of up in arms or up in, right. up in the air. And they have that Ignite team. And that team is playing against other prospects potentially you know what I mean so they put together yeah. teams for that team to continue to get runs mm-hmm. and and get the value that they were promised from foregoing college and playing in the G League so I think that I don't believe that he could play on that Ignite team but I believe that he could probably find himself a space to play against that team you know I think mm-hmm. that that would be a good move to keep himself in the NBA circle but I do believe that the to me the best option for him would be to find a a ball club overseas, whether that's in the NBL, whether that's um some in in the pipeline and one of these Euro League teams, mm-hmm. or shoot even like they have some relationship with the London Lions. I feel like that would be a, a big draw for for them, and it would you know what I mean offer him an opportunity to play some high level basketball that folks actually like respect. Um, because I believe they play and they they 
have advanced what league they play in since ever since the big baller brand went there and the JBA went there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we were basically just saying that Leandro needs to just go overseas and prove what he got and now get more scouts' attention uh, the season after that. He can come back fully and have an NBA roster. Yes, yes Ball, exactly. I think Leandro Ball proved how box office he was when he was in Detroit. I mean, no offense to Detroit. Detroit's a you know good basketball team, but when the end of the ball came, there was so much more buzz around it. Every Instagram post was you know where's Jello, where's Jello, where's Jello. As you're saying, clips of Leandro Ball doing a layup was going viral, um, and Detroit even had a sign, I believe, mm-hmm. that said uh, Jello Detroit loves you. So he, he does have an opportunity, and I fully believe that he is NBA talent. He will, you know, eventually get his uh, shot on the official roster. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, is Ball and the Family over? Like as the TV show? Yes, because it seemed like the last episode, um, they kind of closed things out. They fast-forwarded some things. Um so is it over now or is, are we going to expect another season? Um, to be honest with you, I have no idea. Um, I actually, I've, I've watched some episodes of Ball in the Family, but right. because I like the same thing, I, I cover the content so much, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm like, you view it from I a position. view it, exactly. So like, once you see some of the edits from my perspective, especially like doing the JBA stuff, knowing like when they were doing the USA tour, I mean, the the Europe tour of like where certain clips, I'm like, oh, that's not the hotel that that scene is shot in. You know what I mean? Like I know where, you know, that is, and that's a different place, you know? So you, you, I kind of see some of the, so it was very scripted. It's, it's, would uh, you say that some of it is, I think it's as scripted as any reality show actually is, right? Where you just kind of create opportunities to get content and make it as genuine as possible. But mm-hmm. same thing, like you get an opportunity to shape whatever narrative you want to shape when you're, you know, as it's happening. So like, like I say, I use, for example, the, the Mellow situation where in the ball in the family, Mm-hmm. They all like sit in this room in, in in London, I believe, and and talk about Melo going and he wants to. In reality, like that pro- conversation probably happened something like that, but it was a week or two ahead of time in Belgium, you know. So yeah. it so is that, but then also like it's I don't know. It's like if you are like your best friend made content or whatnot and mm-hmm. then you experience life with him at times and then you watch the life happen back like you just get overwhelmed with it a, a bit so I, I don't watch this much but I will say that that show is so popular and that mm-hmm. show is like potentially hitting a stride with so many story arcs right now that I would I, I couldn't see it ending like I definitely couldn't see like where the family would want it to end. It's a, a serious source of income for them. And like, as far as Facebook watch goes, that was one of their first shows to their platform that mm-hmm. like brought in a ton of viewers and like they invested a ton of money in that like over a, a, a lot of years, you know what I mean? So yeah. I can't see them ending that show. Um, not, not with Mellow and uh, 
in Charlotte right now. His NBA season, his NBA career is starting. Jello is still trying to figure things out. And Zoe is at this pivotal point where it's a contract year for him. Like, that's just great content. And then LeVar by himself now is trying to build the brand back to what it was and bring mm-hmm. his sons back in. Like, yeah. this is like they have one of those stories that seems like it never ends or like you think that you got the most exciting part, but actually like it now is the most exciting, you know what I mean? They went from, they didn't start their own basketball league. So they, <laughs> yeah. they kind of can, can do whatever they want and like always make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's so, crazy that, uh, you know, you said that uh, how not scripted, but they chop certain pieces out and how things really take place. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but it it is um it's like that, but it's also you want to do like I said, it's got to be entertaining. You know what right. I mean? So that, that's what it is. It's it's the same thing as like if you watch a movie and it's say based on the true events, mm-hmm. like th- that's all reality TV honestly is anyway. Like semi based on true stories. So it's the same thing, but you just got to make it look good. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for being on here. This was a, a great interview. I'm a, I'm a big ball fan. And so to have someone like you with the inside and be able to sleep over at the ball state and have breakfast and the cover of the JBA um, just is uh, crazy. But before I let you go, is the JBA going to continue or is that the end of it? Um, so I'll say this, man. I, I think that that is a hard question to answer and mainly because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. So from, from conversations that I've had with folks in, mm-hmm. in like the brand and stuff, like in the event that there was no COVID, like we probably would have already seen some traction around bringing the JBA back in some form or like at least utilizing the JBA player. So um, earlier this year, and there's a video on my channel, that um, where they all flew out to Milwaukee and played in a charity game versus Kavon Looney in his AAU squad, right? Yeah. And it was the, some of the top JBA guys doing that. And so that might've been something that would have happened more often, but then COVID hit and slowed things down. Um, um, like just a, some type of traveling, like and one mixtape tour situation something like that it mm-hmm. could have happened or probably would happen with the JBA um had not COVID you know what I mean happened so I believe that there is an opportunity for the JBA to come back I think that the missed opportunity though is for what it was a lot of the characters and guys that we got to know and love from the JBA wouldn't be in a position to like be a part of it again, you know? So. Right. They would the, have to kind of rebuild the main characters. I mean, Melo wouldn't be there, you know, yeah. Dello wouldn't be there. And, you know, most of the yeah. guys there are probably yeah. in the JBA. I mean, I haven't really kept track of everybody, but I'm sure most of them have gone overseas and, and are playing their own ball. So it would definitely yeah. be different as a rebuild, but mm-hmm. all right. Thank you so much for being on here. I appreciate your time. And, uh, uh, make sure you guys go subscribe to AV the Hero. Uh, he has great content. And uh, anyways, all right. See you later. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you for having